recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is, he's out on business. He's at a wedding this weekend, actually. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 367, 367, and this week we're talking Men in Black, colon, International, the sequel-slash-reboot of the Men in Black series. Uh, we'll get to all that. Uh, joining me tonight to discuss Men in Black International, we have from Fast Film Reviews, a Galaxy Defender. It's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. Also joining us from the from the young folks sometimes, not hosting an intergalactic kegger. It's Jose Cordova. What's up, guys? And joining us from Movies Marcus, one of the best of the best of the best. It's Marcus Robinson. Uh, hello. Warriors were robbed. <laughs> How are the three of you doing this evening? <laughs> doing well. As well as to be expected. Pretty good. Good. Good to have you guys all here. I like how I've, I've got uh, Abe is not here. He's still reeling from the Warriors' loss, and he's yeah. presumably crying at a wedding because of the Warriors and not the actual wedding he's witnessing. But I was still able to too soon. This, I was still able to make this a very Bay Area podcast with you three. So I'm glad to have you guys all here uh, to, to, to discuss the, the most Bay Area movie of the ball, Men in Black International. So let's do it. Let's uh, let's go. Let's uh, let's get some show notes out of the way first. Uh, first up, commentary track. Uh, we have a new commentary track. It's up right now. I posted it this afternoon. It is for Alien, in honor of the 40th anniversary of Ridley Scott's Alien. Uh, Brandon, Peters, Yancey, Burns, and I, we recorded a really informative, I think, commentary track concerning the film Alien. Uh, lots of things to discuss there, all about Ridley Scott, the various actors, and what have you. That's up on iTunes now, uh, and everywhere else you can find our podcast. But speaking of iTunes, you can uh, search for our show, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, on iTunes. Give us a star rating and review. That'd be great. It'd help out our show, help uh, pop us up in the old iTunes charts. That'd be much appreciated. And what else? Our uh, Summer Gamble. All three of you are a part of the Summer Gamble. This is where we've all predicted what we think are going to be the highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic box office. And Men in Black has stumbled its way into the summer entry <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> what did it make? A whopping twenty-eight million, I think. Is oh, ouch! Yeah, not um, not the not the strongest opener uh, for Men in Black, but I, I, which I believe many of us have as either a dark horse or somewhere in the charts. Uh, but yeah, not a. Uh, not looking too promising as far as where the future of the series might might be headed after a pretty low opening like that. Yeah, the opening is around the same as Alita Battle Angel, just to give an idea of like how that is. Yeah, not a major <laughs> summer opening compared to Men in no. Black, which is a tentpole for Sony. <laughs> right. But, um, Actually, it, uh, it's very similar to Tyler, Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral as well. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, shockingly, both of the showings I went to were sold out <laughs> I don't well you had your fun I guess. Yeah. <laughs> everybody who's seen it is in california i guess one of the more notable things i think is men in black international opened lower than the original men in black back in 1997 um but enough <laughs> without about... inflation without inflation yes um uh, i think that was a wednesday opening too if i'm not mistaken as well let me see here anyway <laughs> so, yeah all of them have opened uh, i'm looking at it too right in like the 50s 51 52 54 mm-hmm. yeah so yeah not good well we'll talk all about it we'll talk about whether it was a secret success or not but before we do all that let's uh actually last thing here is contest uh we still have a contest going 
um, in honor of Godzilla, which opened back in May. All through this month, I'm asking people to tell me their favorite Godzilla villain or adversary and why. Um, you can comment on our Facebook page, uh, leave us a Twitter message, email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. We will select a one of the uh, you know entries at random, and they'll be rewarded with a Blu-ray copy of Destroy All Monsters, one of the classic Godzilla films, along with whatever other Blu-rays I movies I decide to put into a prize pack and send out to you. But yeah, you tell us your favorite Godzilla villain and why. Uh, and we're going to keep that going all through this month. So uh, get those entries in. All right. That's show notes. Let's move on now. Let's get to some know everybody. We each week we ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to know everybody. everybody. That was great. That, that, was... Was spe- that was spectacular. Two very enthusiastic neuralizers up on that one, guys. <laughs> Let's, um, <laughs> let me ask my question here. Uh, what are some successful films that recast the lead roles? There's some films you guys like where they're like, you know what? We're starting this over, or we're doing this again with new leads. Well, James Bond. Uh, Dark Knight's a pretty easy one. Oh, yeah. that's good, too. Yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. That's right off the bat here, guys. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if yeah. I make you think too much for these questions. But those, yeah. those are some good answers. <laughs> Right. That's a good. Qu- is a good question, actually. Yeah, that was a good question. If there's, there's, I mean, obviously, yeah, something like Bond or various superheroes, you get some. You expect it. You yeah. Get, yeah, and you get some good. You know, you have a lot of a lot to work from, a lot of options to go with. I'm trying to think of other other like significant franchise or like just yeah properties, I guess where you. Re- I guess a lot of remakes, right? You got a lot of remakes out there where you have to kind of do it again in some capacity. Like Planet of the Apes came to mind, but it's like, well. Mm-hmm. I mean, should get Roddy McDowell out of there or John Charlton Heston, even they're all kind of different. Anyway. Yeah. I'm actually a, a I enjoy the uh the Karate Kid or Kung Fu Kid remake. Uh-huh. I think that was pretty solid. Those that at least for the sort of recasting and not necessarily recasting but changing that Mr. Miyagi role. I think Jack Chan was a inspired I would agree, but I also, like, it's weird how bumpy the road has been for Jaden Smith and how much we seem to care about this, but I do think he's actually pretty good in the the Karate Kid remake, like, his his teaming with Jackie Chan, I do think it worked pretty well for that that film. All right, right, well, that's how you play. No, No, everybody. everybody. Great job, guys. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right, let's move on now. No, quickies. TM. TM. Thank you. There we go. All right. <laughs> like Each... the Splash Brothers over here. <laughs> Each week it out now, we have one main movie of the week that we talk about. We always have other movies during the week that we talk about. Those are the quickies. TM. TM. All right. Marcus, let's start with you. What other movies have you seen recently you want to make note of right now? Should I talk about Last Black Man in terms yeah, of school? We can all chime okay. in on it. I talked about it okay. last week. Okay. I know you guys saw it. I know, Mark, I know Mark saw it, too. So I saw The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, maybe a few hours ago, and it's about uh, two young black friends, Jimmy and Montgomery, and they're taking care of this old San Francisco house that once belonged to Jimmy's grandfather, and now it's owned by some white bohemian older couple. And they find themselves in a situation where the house is vacant for an indeterminate amount of time, and they decide to live there. That's the basic premise. Now... This is a very – I found this to be a very poetic film, a film that you just let wash over you. It really, really has a lot of James Baldwin in it. It has a lot of like Shakespearean motifs in it. Would I say it's better than something like Blind Spotting, where it, it, it re- they really both attack uh, gentrification and, and um, what it means to actually own something as a minority – um, I think that's a that's a that's a personal opinion for me. It wasn't as good as as Blind Spotting, but I think Black Man in San Francisco is more 
Barry Jenkins and it is Spike Lee. So I think it's really, really preference. I think the reason why this thing works as well as it does, though, is the the friendship aspect of this uh, between the the two leads, Jimmy and uh, Montgomery. Not only are we really rooting for them uh, as these two heroes, as these two different types of dynamics that came together. Uh, one is kind of this outcast, exile, very bookish. And the other one is this driven, home, former homeless kid. But we also, I think the brilliance of it is we also get to see uh, two different black personalities which is, I think, an essential in in modern black cinema. So I really enjoyed it. I think it works on a lot of different aspects. The ending kind of fades a little bit for me, but it's. I think it's just because it was two hours and it could have been probably an hour and forty minutes. Before you keep but, going, I, I want to. But that's it. That's I, it. Okay. Well, if, I, if you have anything else, I, w- I want to pause yeah. for a second because I want to hear what Mark you think of, of yeah, yeah. Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, um, I, I lo- so you're asking what I thought yeah, of it now? Okay, I, I loved it. It's a very, it's kind of this reflection, and it's very wistful and elegiac kind of rumination on, as Marcus was saying, uh, gentrification in San Francisco, and and you know being from the Bay Area, I am sort of aware of. I mean, you see a lot of this firsthand, and I think the way the movie works is it just sort of like washes over you as sort of this. Uh, it's almost like a. It almost feels a little bit like a funeral or something in a way, which sounds like a, a negative thing. But it, it's sort of like we're we're sort of honoring this sort of past, and there are little vignettes that happen. It's not very plot heavy, so it there are certain people that I think I would not recommend this to. But if you're looking for something that's just a very intelligent and it's beautifully shot, the score is beautiful too. I love the yes. score. The score, the I mean the 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 cinematography, and and you know there's this house. I mean I, I want to go to San Francisco now and like see this house in person. It it's just it, it's all about that. And then you know you get to meet the different and like um we were you know talking about uh, his friend Montgomery. It's a very interesting relationship. I mean these these guys are really close. I mean at at one point I was kind of like what is their relationship exactly because they're just so close but I mean they're just friends but it's a very interesting relationship I, I would um, add that I mean in, in, in addition to the different themes you guys have already talked about I think it explores black masculinity in a yes. pretty profound way as well in the same way that like you're mentioning Barry Jenkins Marcus I think it, it has that kind of aspect in common as well and among the people I that agree. he does meet uh in his little odyssey around san francisco is his mom and i always thought that was sort of an interesting scene too and it's sort of like i don't know i'm not going to go into like what happens or anything but he just he meets different people and 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 one of the people is his mom and and that uh interaction is just so interesting and 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 there it it begs like a conversation you you want to talk about this film um after you see it so definitely go see it and see it with someone so you can talk about it after you you know enjoy it yeah yeah i i I said last week it's my favorite film of the year so far i think it's absolutely terrific so i'm happy that you guys also enjoyed it and even regardless of what i think of it compared to 
last year's Bay Area gentrification trilogy of blind spotting, sorry to bother you, and Black Panther. <laughs> um, I, um, I was, Some good work. Yeah, I was just happy to kind of enter this into the files of those movies because it just it's it's nice to see not only this topic being addressed but being addressed so effectively um, from various voices and getting so so much different stylistic work coming out of these voices. So, yeah, Barry Jenkins. Uh, there's sort of uh, there's I see his influence in this film, and one of the films that I actually think uh, I I see a lot of it in is uh, Medicine for Melancholy, which yes. was his first film, and it was shot in and around San Francisco, and it also has this sort of reflection on how San Francisco is changing and that kind of thing. And it, it's a good, it's also another good film to seek out. So if if you do see The Last Black Man in San Francisco and you enjoy it, please go see Medicine for Melancholy because I think you'll enjoy that as well. Yeah, that film's available on Prime to rent, among other streaming services, I'm sure. But yeah, that's how mm-hmm. I was able to see it. So if anyone actually is curious, if like, or if they're just curious about like Barry Jenkins' other movie in general, since his other two are you know so well lauded, and it's like, what's right. this other one you haven't seen? Well, it's it's out there. Marcus, did you have any other movies that you wanted to talk about? Um, not really. I mean, I did see uh, uh, Always Be My Maybe again. So again. Uh, yeah you watched it more than once i did watch i watched it for a second time well we'll get back to that because that's one of mine Um, okay there we go (laughs) jose let's get to you what have you seen recently um i also watched always be my baby maybe Mm -hmm. and uh and i was also catching up on some other netflix stuff so i caught um it's called someone great the jennifer caden robinson uh film Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed both of them. If if we want to get more into Always Me by maybe after, uh, we can talk about that after. Go, go but, for it uh, now. You can start it. We can keep talking. Well, I mean, just keep the, the Bay Area love going, I guess, right? Like, yeah, that's beautiful. a beautiful film, you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Love Letter to the City. And um, I grew up with um, a lot of uh, Asian American friends. Um, I'm from near the Bay Area. Um, and I think one of the things that, that I love about the movie is how real it feels. Um, I used to go to my friends' houses all the time, and that those first opening scenes um, of the two friends or the, the girl character going over to her friend's house. To me, it's, it's reminded me of all the living rooms and all the kitchens that I grew up visiting. Um, And other than that, I think the movie is really fun. I think the script is a little shaggy in certain places, but it's got like an amazing cameo. And I think the music's all really good, actually. I've been listening to it on Spotify. We we all know it's Keanu Reeves as the cameo. We can talk about it. Like it's he's great. Yeah, <laughs> he has a, he has a ton of fun. He's fantastic in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It's one of the, one of those really good out of nowhere cameos. I think uh, there's there's you know a ton of them across the history of cinema, but I think this is one that really stands up there. But yeah, like I was saying, music's really good. I think the two lead performances are really really strong. And it's just a really fun movie. I, I think you know people talk a lot about this kind of movie sort of dying. And, and theatrical release, um, but Netflix is, is a place that's trying to keep them alive, which I think is a good good and a bad thing. So yeah, I, Anna and I watched this, this. We finished it. We started it last weekend. We finished it this weekend, and um, yeah, it's 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 an enjoyable film. I, I think it ranks high among the kind of Netflix rom coms that have been coming out in recent years. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to just yeah the added value of the characters and what they're what we're doing here in the same way that like i guess crazy rich asians worked so successfully last year where it's they're taking a a fairly standard plot but uh but subverting it in various ways between which character has which kind of role and even in just the kind of production like the what is giving you as far as asian culture goes like there's a great tracking shot of 
two kids at a party that take off their shoes before they go in the house and it kind of camera follows them along and then they put their shoes back on when they get out of the house. It's like little details like that where I'm yeah. sure there's a lot more that, you know, certain audiences can really recognize. And I, I, it was neat to see kind of those things stand out to in a way that helped add character to the movie. Um, which is already giving you a fairly enjoyable take on, you know, the rom-com type genre and everything. So, yeah, no, I, I thought it was quite enjoyable. Yeah, same. Mark, yeah, same, same. You I, watched it twice, I, so you're just I, diehard. Yeah, always doing okay, so, thing. yeah, it did, the first time it took, the first time I watched it, it took me, it took me a while to finish it, but it's because I stopped it halfway through, but right before that, 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 uh, the cameo, the Keanu Reeves cameo, it does kind of play really basic. There's a basic rom-com. It's funny, but it's pretty basic once the Keanu Reeves and he's only in it for 10 minutes once something happens there and it just shoots to the moon and it really became super funny enjoyable everything was hitting in the, that first half I was really hanging on like oh that's I remember souls of mischief I remember all that stuff. oh that's cool that's oh that's cool the the second half really really propelled it to some another level comedically for me you know, it's interesting that uh, you mentioned that – or can we spoil the fact that Keanu Reeves is a yeah, cameo? Yeah, because yeah. I haven't seen it, but I saw the the ad for the movie as some kind of a little Facebook video that pops up, and I watched that video, and it is the scene where Keanu Reeves comes into a restaurant as and introduced as the date of this <laughs> of this girl. So I saw – that's how I was found out about the film. So I, I didn't realize that his – I mean if his cameo is supposed to be surprised, they're using it to advertise oh, the yeah, film. They, they've used it to sell the movie. Like I, right. I knew about the – I didn't even watch the trailer for the movie, but I just knew that he was in it because the gif of Keanu walking into a restaurant has been everywhere recently. Right. Especially since Keanu Reeves has yeah. been everywhere recently. He's in the room right yeah. now making sure it stays cool for me. <laughs> like that's how, that's how far he's gone. <laughs> I, I love this how like we people are talking about like oh how does it feel to be coming up you know making a comeback and I almost feel like him like I never left I'm yeah. still I, I'm I've always been here well, I, I certainly think it's been he's notably stepped up as far as the sound the sort of respect that he seems to have these days as opposed to just being a recognizable figure it does seem like he has this kind of added gravitas these days compared to before regardless if you like to be I've liked him before I didn't have to grow into liking Keanu Reeves I've always been a Keanu Reeves fan but I do think it's stood out as far as how far people are going to praise Keanu Reeves today compared to right. like five well, years it goes ago. Into the, it goes into the nature of people who love to build people up and tear them down. And like now, right now, we're building him up in, in a way I'm like, yeah, he's always been here and I've always liked him and welcome to the party. You got to watch this movie, man. I mean, yes, he is a he is a significant part of it. Although Marcus, I, I mean, I I get what you're saying. At the same time, I was into what was going on with the film before Keanu Reeves showed I, up. Like, I I, I mean, I like the chemistry between Ali Wong and Randall Park. I like Randall Park in general. I think he's very funny. Yes, so. they're they're both. I think they're both really funny. They're both really talented. I just thought the story was kind of okay. It's nothing Fair. that I didn't see in like Just yes. Friends or something. And then it it really really it looks like it was going into overload and and i couldn't really predict where it was going i mean from from scene to scene in that that second half even though it kind of knew that what was going to happen at the end it really was surprising me in their in their uh, the comedic avenues they took gotcha let's see jose did you have anything else or is that good um that's pretty much it other than that i've been doing like this lost rewatch which has been really fun oh yeah um but that that that'd be like a whole separate discussion <laughs> <laughs> because of how relatively um, and i say rewatch explain <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I only ever watched season one, and I fell off for I don't I don't remember why. Um, but it, it was something that sort of was floating around after the Game of Thrones ended, and people were sort of 
talking about controversial endings. And I picked up a lot of sort of information about how the rest of the show went just through general pop culture osmosis, but I never actually watched the rest of it. So I've been enjoying going through it again. Okay, so um, you haven't even you haven't even watched it before. That's what you're, that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I watched beyond, beyond the first one. season. You haven't even watched. Yep. You don't know where this thing could be on maybe memes or something. You don't really know where this goes. Exactly. Yes, beyond okay. the memes. Yes. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I will be looking forward to seeing whatever write up, tweet, or whatever post you put up to explain <laughs> what you think of where it goes because <laughs> it. it it is a show that I was a fan of. I and I it, it certainly has a lot that was going on. That's it. I'm the most like casual viewer of like event television. Like I don't get hung up in the stress involving like where things are going. Uh-huh. It's like, all right, that was good or oh, that was okay. Like I don't really don't get emotional about it the same way that I don't know, a bunch of man babies demanding a uh, uh, Oh, here we go. A, Game uh, of Thrones? Yeah, a Game of Thrones <laughs> petition to rewrite the season. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I have my own gripes about that season, but nothing to, like you said, n- nothing to an emotional investment of, of that level. You know? I, think my, my I best... enjoy what I enjoy, and I don't what I don't. My best example might be Westworld, where everyone's like, "What are the? what's the theories behind this? And I'm like, all right, that was another episode. What's going on next week? Like, I just don't really <laughs> care too much beyond, like, I, I see what they're giving me, and I'll keep watching. <laughs> well, yeah. um, let's see. Uh, Mark, uh, what other... Um, the only other movie that I really feel like championing is um, Ma with <laughs> yeah. Octavia Spencer. And, the, uh, I mean, it's probably not even in theaters anymore at this point. But uh, <laughs> the reason why I want to champion it is it... I mean, I think it, I get, I get got kind of mixed reviews, but... I, I really enjoyed it. I, it actually wasn't my first choice. The week it came out, there were a couple other films, and I saw those first. And it was kind of like, oh, you know, I, I, I have time to see another movie. And I, I, there was things about it that looked kind of good, and I thought, well, let me check it out. And I really was pleasantly surprised by how entertained I was by the film. First of all, I, it, I know that I read a little bit about it, and it part of it kind of arose out of the idea they wanted to have Octavia Spencer be the star of a film. That's a very good thing. She is a good actress, and I think the film it largely coasts on the her ability and this kind of odd character that she plays. And there is something... Uh, I, the trailers did look kind of strange, and I didn't quite understand like what exactly what kind of a movie it is. And once I saw it, it it's still strange. It is kind of an odd <laughs> you know, movie. But I, I really think Octavia Spencer falls within this category of these, you know, grand dames of horror like Piper Laurie and Carrie or <laughs> – yeah. Um, yeah. what, there was a couple other ones. Yeah, I, yeah Kathy Bates in Misery. Yeah, or... Kathy Bates in Misery, exactly. Or Betty Davis in in uh, uh, whatever happened to Baby, Baby Jane. Jane yeah. She's got this kind of like quirky sensibility, and I, I, I guess I just was captivated by her. And you know, it's this a like, group of mostly white kids, and here's this you know uh, black woman, and she befriends them, and there's sort of this like camaraderie that they have, and then you start to learn a little bit about her and why she's sort of reaching out to these kids. And I thought it was interesting. I, I thought it was an interesting character study. It is a, it's a little trashy. I mean, it is kind of... I think it should have been more trashy. Possibly. But like I mean, and I can understand if somebody tells me, oh, Mark, you recommended this film and it's, <laughs> it's not good. I could say, okay, you know, I'm not going to like say it's great art, but I think it was an enjoyable film. And I think if you're, if you're open to seeing something kind of goofy and a little bit odd, um, the only thing is I, I think it kind of falls apart a little bit at the end. I, yeah. I don't think – it's not quite as intellectually interesting. Um, it goes more for this grand Guggenau horror, and it, 
I, that's not my favorite thing. Um, I more like the psychological aspects of it. I, I, cause I agree with you on all of this. Like I, okay. I, I recommend so the film. Good, in, like, the cause I, I feel like the movie just disappeared from theaters. It, it and, did what well, it did. It had, it made 40 million so far. Like it's done well for, you know, a Bloomhouse movie, which costs like, yeah. you know, a toothpick and change. Like it doesn't, it's not like, it it's, you know, it's not like it has to do much to succeed, but yeah, I do think Octavia Spencer really holds it together, but also the film has a lot of character that I just enjoyed. Like there's, I guess it comes from just Tate Taylor, you know, having him be the director here, the director of The Help, among other things, here, as opposed to, like, Bloomhouse's thing of, like, taking guys that made, like, you know, viral videos and turning them into, like, some kind of, you know, some kind of film director. You have a guy that's been making movies for a while now and just has an ability to inject a lot of quirkiness into the film. One so, thing I'll add, too, is I think Tate Taylor and Octavia Spencer are good friends. He directed her in The Help, yeah. and, and I think their friendship created this idea like i'm going to make you the star of this film and i think that's a good thing i think uh -huh. he i think he he honors her in a in a good way in this movie he has a lot of free you can go, on his wikipedia page he has a, a chart of all the collaborators that he's worked with and there's a lot of frequent people like allison janney's in all every one of his, <laughs> almost every one of his films do you want to talk about her because she's hilarious yeah, they, yeah they, she plays this like deadpan veterinarian who, who's the boss of octavia spencer's character and she's always just like the worst to her but also octavia spencer's like terrible at her job it's the best working <laughs> relationship i've seen in a movie in quite some time yeah, it's, yeah, it's octavia wonderful. spencer's a little lackadaisical but that Alice and Janney, that's like a boss from hell. I mean, she's just like, will you give me a break? I just want to make a phone call, you know? But it's like, it's stuff like that where instead of giving you like reams of backstory that you don't need, it just has like a lot of like bit characters show up and give you an impression of who they are. And so it kind of makes a difference by the time you get to some right. payoffs for these things. There's a lot of that in this movie. I think it comes at the cost of a more functional plot, but at the same time, it's like, well, what did I go to Ma for? Did I need to get the biggest character study of the year? Did I want to just get a, you know, a random horror flick with Octavia Spencer as of all people as the lead. And I and, got that. Like, it's fine yeah. for those can, reasons. Can I also say, I'm glad that a, an Oscar winner, Allison Janney is still not too big to accept this little nothing part. I mean, it's, it's nothing. I mean, but she kind of makes it memorable. Yeah, no, it, uh, I, like, I like how much you liked Ma. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, I, that's one where I, mean, I saw I could, it, that's one where I I thought it could go it. either way with you. I was like, you're either going to like dig this because of the performance or you're going to be like, eh, it's too much. Yeah, but you liked it, so good for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. And then I was also, it's a lot of it has to do with expectations. I kind of thought, well, I'm not expecting much. And then for I sure. feel like, yeah. Yeah. I've seen a couple <laughs> things that I want to make note of. First up is The Art of Self-Defense. This is a movie coming out in July. Um, it's directed by Riley Stearns, who did the film Faults a few years back, uh, which I quite liked, and so that's why I was looking forward to this movie. It stars Jesse Eisenberg as a mild-mannered office worker who gets beaten up in the street and decides to take karate lessons to help learn how to defend himself. Uh, Alessandro Nivola plays the karate instructor. Imogen Poots plays one of the other karate instructors slash like uh, students and this movie it's disturbingly funny is the best way i can put it there's a lot of humor here but it's also it's dealing heavily with masculinity toxic masculinity and it's very offbeat it has a the way the dialogue is delivered like the way characters kind of speak to each other has a lot in common with yorgos lanthimos which is why i'm very happy you two are you, you mark and marcus are on this podcast because you both have varying views on lanthimos's films as far as well, which ones are more successful than others one one thing i will say though this art of self-defense if mm -hmm. i will refer you back to our podcast where we were talking about summer films and mm -hmm. what 
movies are we most looking forward to? And I brought up this film. I know. And I, I said, recall that. Yeah. Okay, you do. Okay. And I, so I am dying to see this film. So I'm very jealous that you've already gotten to see it. And, <laughs> and, and I fully expect to love it. I, cause Lanthimos did, um, the favorite, which yeah. I loved. It, it, it's just in the, in their cadence. It's just huh. so, it's such a specific way they speak to each other where it's very direct, but like emotionless at the same time. It's interesting. It's hard to like, that's the best I could do to describe it. But regardless, I, I can't say like I loved it, but I do think it's it's certainly interesting and it's it has a, there's a lot of dark laughs in this movie as far as what happens. And I'll just kind of leave it there. But it's certainly it's certainly one of the more interesting films that I've seen in some time. Um, wait. Let's see. <laughs> uh, the Dead Don't Die came out this week. I saw that a couple weeks ago. I mentioned it then, but I will mention it again. It's Jim Jarmusch's latest film. It is a zombie comedy. Um I I am actually surprised by the like general audience reaction, which seems to be more favorable than I expected. I thought because it's a Jim Jarmusch film, which is a very specific type of movie, um, that people weren't going to a flock to it as well as much as they seem to have. I'm not saying it's a huge success, but it is for a Jim Jarmusch movie. It's going to make more money than most of his films, and people seem to kind of dig it. It's going. It's mixed. It's it's less mixed than I thought it would be because certainly has the pace of a Jarmusch film and has the attitude of a Jarmusch film, which means it's very deadpan. And it traffics in certain kinds of humor and sensibilities that just don't gel with the general audience. That said, he made a big zombie movie and people seem to want to see it. So there you go. I will say that the critical uh, reviews are less enthusiastic than mm-hmm. Jim Jarmusch usually gets. I mean, yeah, he's, he, I mean, Patterson he, is at 96. And because I, and I, I don't know. I mean, Patterson was my favorite film of that year, but I would put Patterson yeah. as like, that's certainly, that feels like a seminal work for Jarmusch specifically, where this feels like, I had some ideas and I wanted to make a zombie movie, so why not? Like that, it does feel like lesser Jarmusch. Like I don't think it's, I wouldn't rank it high as far as his films go, but I do think it's, you know, it's certainly for me a big Jarmusch fan. It's an enjoyable Jarmusch comedy. So, but it's out now, so there you go. The last thing I'll mention, speaking of Jarmusch, actually, I saw a documentary on Netflix called The Bill Murray Stories, Life Lessons Learned from Mystical Man. I think you guys might be aware that Bill Murray has become known for, like, random, like, supposedly randomly appearing in places and, yeah. like, having fun with people and then telling them no one's ever going to believe you and then, like, walking off. Like, this is a documentary that goes over that. It goes, it, it has a interviewee going around the country, around America, uh, to interview various people that have had encounters with bill murray and what that was like and it's it's pretty neat it's a really interesting documentary like it sounds like a good idea yeah it's it's on netflix it's like an hour and 10 minutes it's not like a long watch and it's really enjoyable because it's both you get to see so much like joy coming from these people that are just talking about how bill murray showed up out of nowhere and made their lives just a little happier for you know a little while and then like just you know went, went away and it's it's really neat. Like you get these great stories. There's a lot of like video of him being like it's not just myths. Like it's actually like people have cell phone video of him being at like a person's house and like grabbing a tambourine and joining in a band for like a you know a couple a couple songs and stuff. It's just like it's a lot of fun like that. It, it's so much fun that like the inter the like the the person making this thing his whole goal is to meet Bill Murray to ask him about this. And regardless of whether he does or not, I felt I found myself so interested in the stories that were being told that I didn't really care whether or not I actually got to see an interview with Bill Murray about this stuff. I was just happy oh, to so see the stories that are actually happening. He did the documentary without even getting 
Bill Murray's like you know sign on for it. Correct. I I mean I'm sure there was you know whatever he had to do to get legal clearances or what have you. But yes, he did he did it without like without like in advance having Bill Murray ready to go for this kind of thing, which is kind of part of Bill Murray's thing. He doesn't really do that. He doesn't have right. an agent. Like he literally he had, some people know this already and the documentary goes over, but he has he doesn't have an agent. He just has a phone with a one eight hundred number and you can call it and maybe you'll get a reaction from him in some way. It's it's strange. But it's a it's a very enjoyable documentary. So yeah, that's <laughs> the Bill Murray stories, Life Lessons Learned from a Mystical Man. Which is on Netflix now. So. I think it myth mythical man. Is it mythical? Mythical. It sounds like this weekend I'm going for a Ma and Last Black Man in San Francisco double feature, okay. um, and that'll be a really interesting day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> totally different films, but <laughs> all right. Well, that's it now, quickies. TM. TM. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk, where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. This week we are talking Doctor Sleep. The upcoming sequel to Stephen King's The Shining slash upcoming sequel to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, this is a new horror film based off the novel Doctor Sleep that certainly takes a lot of influence from the film The Shining, um, which Stephen King famously hates. Um, <laughs> it is directed by Mike Flanagan, a name in horror that I have very much come to respect over the years. He's made several films, including Oculus, Hush, uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil, and Gerald's Game, all I, that I have a uh, high opinion of. So it's neat to see him in a, a much, probably the biggest film he's worked on so far, a big studio film. It stars Ewan McGregor as a grown-up Danny Torrance, of course, the young boy from The Shining, um, among others. Let's get into this. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts on this Doctor Sleep? Uh, so I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I The only movie that I've seen from Mike, Flanagan was Oculus, and and I did enjoy that. I thought it you know was an interesting film. Um, so that's a good preface to this film. And of course, I mean, I, The Shining is is one of my favorite horror films. Uh, and the trailer looks like he's recreating some of the scenes, and it, it looks well done. Um, and I like Ewan McGregor, so I'm I'm open to it. I intrigued by it you know uh maybe a little bit guarded to see because it, it's it, this could go south but if if it's an interesting and intelligent sort of uh extension of the um myth of uh the shining then then I, i'm open for it marcus how about you um you know i i i think it's really exciting that mike flanagan is 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 directing this thing because i'm a big uh like uh believer in frank darabont uh, doing everything Stephen King has to, has uh, adapting all of Stephen King's stuff, but this is probably uh, the next step for me. I, I'm a fan of everything that he's done so far. As far as the trailer itself goes, you know, I, I'm probably I'm not the biggest fan of The Shining. In fact, I really don't like The Shining. So it, it was fine. Um, I'm more intrigued about Mike Flanagan than I am The Shining. Yeah, Jose, how about you? So I, I haven't seen any Mike Flanagan films, mm-hmm. um, which it's it sounding like I should. Um, but but I did see the I have seen The Shining. I, I enjoy that movie a lot. Um, it, not to sound like a film school cliche, but I saw that movie like freshman year of college, um, and I that was one of my main introductions into you know beyond sort of like multiplex cinema. Um, and so so I have a, a you know it has a special place for me in, in that sense. Um, I thought the trailer was really interesting because the I haven't read um, either The Shining or Doctor Sleep, um, and I didn't realize that this seems sort of much different, at least from the movie The Shining, 
it, it seems sort of much bigger in its scope in terms of the amount of people just that are around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that'll be really interesting, knowing sort of the, the core story of The Shining being very small and contained. Um, but other than that, I think it looks really interesting. The, the aesthetic is, is very different. Um, I think you can tell right away because you see some shots that I, I don't know if they're recreations or just clips from everything, The Shining. Um, everything but the elevator shot is a recreation. Huh. That's interesting. Um, you can tell right away just by the color palette that the, the aesthetic for this movie is going to be uh, different. Um, so I'm just really intrigued, kind of like Mark said, um, and I'll be curious to see what, what this movie is about. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of The Shining, and I was very curious. I don't I don't know what the story of Doctor Sleep is. I know that it exists. Like it's a 2013. Like it's not that it's not super old as far as Stephen King novels go. But I mean it's it's one that he made more recently. But I don't I never like looked into like what the story is actually about. I assumed it was about Danny because what else would you do? <laughs> but, um, I seeing you know that this is happening and now seeing footage from it. It's like oh so this is really trying to really tap into not only whatever Stephen King's up to but what Kubrick did with his with his film. And I've been doing some reading on it, and like, yeah, Beverly Flanagan got the blessing of both the Kubrick estate and from Stephen King to kind of work both versions of The Shining together to make a make a make a movie out of this, which I guess makes sense because you have on one hand you have the you know you have a classic Stephen King novel, and regardless of his regards for the film, you have a movie that whether you like it or not is a you know regarded as a classic and has some iconic imagery in the realm of horror cinema. So it's like. I'm very curious what this, what a, what a, what a sequel is going to be, which is something I wouldn't necessarily expect from The Shining. Let alone what this kind of sequel is going to be that that tries to incorporate both King's work and Kubrick's work into one film. But yeah, I have a lot of hope in it, but based on the fact that I am a Mike Flanagan fan. If you want to know more, most of his films are on Netflix right now, I believe. Actually, like Hush was a Netflix original, um, mm-hmm. one thing. But um, good to know. And right. we, Ouija Origin of Evil is like one of the biggest reversals as far as Ouija's <laughs> terrible and Origin of Evil is like super fun. <laughs> like in the it's same very, way that, it's good. In the same way it's that like good. Annabelle was terrible, but the follow up Annabelle Creation was super fun. <laughs> so it's like, well, I. I I, 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 I'm glad I can at least hope for something interesting coming out of a new Flanagan movie. I noticed that uh, Rebecca Ferguson was in the trailer, and she's also in the movie that we're reviewing this week. So just a little call back to that. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see where it all goes. Uh, Doctor Sleep arrives in theaters November 8th. So yeah, we'll see you then. All right, let's uh, that was trailer talk. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for Men in Black, Holden International. We are a rumor, recognizable only as déjà vu, and dismissed just as quickly. We are the best kept secret in the universe. I know. I want in. You erased my parents' memories, but you didn't get mine. It took me twenty years to find you. How many people can say that? I found you. Which makes me perfect for this job. Agent M, we may have a problem in London. Welcome, You will be with Agent H. MIB, you Karelian scum. And FYI, your little club here sucks. Come on. The world's not gonna save itself. I'm driving. That really should be here. Ah, oh, not this country. 
All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Men in Black International. Not since 2012 have we seen an adventure with Agents J and K, but Men in Black International explores other parts of the secret agency that monitors extraterrestrial activity. Chris Hemsworth stars as Senior Agent H from the UK branch, with Tessa Thompson as Agent M, a probationary agent, teaming up with him to investigate some mysterious activity that sends the two on various places around the globe. F. Gary Gray steps in for director Barry Sonnenfeld, and we see plenty of alien-related activity in new parts of the world. Mark Hoban, you were on, you and Jose were both on our Men in Black 3 episode from those year, many years back, which I recall you being a big fan of. What, uh, where, where are you with this, this reboot? Yeah, just so that I'm glad you mentioned that, because I want to say that I, I like the Men in Black series overall, and I, I, you know, I, I think it's enjoyable, I, but I, I don't think it's like the the original is like the greatest thing that was ever made. So I don't I don't hold Men in Black as on some kind of a pedestal. I think it's a fine film. Um, the second one I did not enjoy. The third one, as you mentioned, I, I liked. And so I'm actually going to come out pretty positive on this film. I thought it was fine. I mean, I didn't think it was like, again, great art. But I think that the stars... Um, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson generate a significant amount of chemistry and enjoyable banter that kept me captivated enough to uh, be, you know, interested in what they were about to do. The movie is not the same as the original films. I mean, the original had Will Smith and he has this manic energy that's sort of like, you know, crazy and it, it captivates you in a certain way that is gone so it doesn't have that sort of comedy zaniness uh but it does have sort of a, this sleek sophistication i think chris hemsworth and uh tessa thompson i mean they're very charismatic they're attractive people they're able to take this uh script which is pretty generic and and inject life into it that I kept me captivated into it. I also think that this film series, one of the things that is, is always been a part of it, is the aliens. I think the alien creations that they do uh, are interesting. And then in, in particular, Kumal Nanjani plays this little creature that really I enjoyed a lot. Uh, I thought he was very funny. I laughed a whenever he was on the screen and I think his sort of deadpan delivery and his sort of irritated, like uh, rolling his eyes kind of personality was enjoyable. So, I mean, with the personalities of the stars and the, the aliens, I think I, I was captivated enough. It's not great art. Again, it's not, you know, I don't think it, it uh, is something that would probably get made if it didn't have this film series to sort of fall back on. But I, I am a little surprised. The reviews are scathing. Audiences generally aren't enjoying it either. It seems like the, the cinema score was a B, which actually the entire film series has always gotten a B plus, which is actually lower than what I thought. But um, it is it does appear that audiences aren't really crazy about it. And I really don't get the hate. I, I, I walked out of there thinking I was entertained. I enjoyed it. I, 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 if I had to make a choice, I'd give it a thumbs up. I, I think it was uh, mm. enjoyable entertainment. Jose, as I mentioned, you are also that. I think believe you've mentioned this when we talked about this a few weeks ago. But I believe Men in Black Three was your first episode on this podcast. It was. Yeah. What What did you think of? Uh... Yeah, uh, I enjoyed the series a lot. I was like seven or eight when the first movie came out, and so I think it hit me at like a really good time. It was like this weird movie with Will Smith. And I, that was, like, my first memory of, I think, seeing, like, Tommy Lee Jones in something. 
um, which is great because he's just like, you know, he's like been there. He's kind of like tired of the whole situation. It's a very fun dynamic. And I also was a huge fan of the cartoon series, which came out like right after the first movie. That's a solid animated and series. I like that. I like it is. It, it really is. Especially, you know, that's like classic Saturday morning entertainment uh, for back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie fine. I think I'm sort of with Mark. Um, I don't. I don't get the really really terrible reviews. I think mainly for me, it just it just feels different than even the third movie or especially the first one. I think that there's a little bit of the weirdness, a little bit of the griminess that I feel I enjoyed from the especially the first movie. This movie's like a little too shiny and a little too sleek, and and that might just be sort of my expectations of of what I come to the series for that that's making me a little disappointed with it, but. I think Mark nails it that the the two leads are really the main enjoyment of the movie. I think Kumail Nanjiani's funny. Um, I'm actually a really big fan of the two gentlemen that they get to play the main antagonists. Um, They're these uh, street dancers, um, hip-hop dancers, who've been around for a little while. Uh, These cool French guys who are twins and do all this really, really cool dancing. Um, You get to see a little bit in the movie, especially in that club scene. Um, so I enjoyed seeing them in a movie, especially something this big budget. Um, but I think for me overall, there's just some of the little things that I missed from the series, like um, some of the uh, practical effects with the aliens. I was waiting for like slime at some point because I feel like that, that became like such a calling card, especially in the um, in the animated series. They were always getting blasted with like weird goop. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think it's 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 a decent time at the movies. Yeah, Marcus. What have you your thoughts on the Men in Black franchise, and where are you with this? One? Um, you know, I really enjoyed the first one. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the second one, not so much, and the third one, not so much. This one, to me, it just the premise seemed really good. Like it, I, I it, it kind of played around with like, what if the the kid from et grew up he would grow up to be like this kind of like theor conspiracy theorist whack job i i kind of dug that and then everything else after that was just horrendous like she just walks into a play she becomes a man in black um she's she's free soloing walls now okay that whatever um i didn't like them as a duo i think they're very good actors in their own right I think you, Chris Helmsworth, I mean, I don't have to tell you, Chris Helmsworth is, is, is super versatile, can go comedic, dr- dramatic. He can he can do a lot of things. Fat, Tessa, thin. Fat, thin, anything. Tessa, I think the problem is Tessa is kind of miscast here. I, I think they, and it, and, it, and it isn't her fault at all because she, I think she's fantastic, fantastic actress, but they want her to be Will Smith so bad that when she has to do like the slapstick goofy stuff, it just comes off as flat. I, I, I didn't laugh once at anything. Any human did in this thing Yeah, that Mark, Mark did bring up Camille Nanjiani. He's probably the only bright spot in this. And he's, he's, he seems like he's really working overtime for these one liners. And he, you know, I did laugh at his stuff. But it really turns out to be this really forgettable and uninteresting installment. Halfway through, I became unbelievably disinterested, and I just kind of almost <laughs> tuned out. So it, it's it's funny. I um 
I, I'm right in between you and, and Marcus and, and Jose where like, I don't overall like the movie, like, because it, but I had like, I had fun kind of in the moment, but at, like walking out of the theater and I saw it with my dad, dad, dad's movie corner. He had fun. Uh, but walking out of the theater, it just, I had this weird, like negging feeling in the back of my head where it's like, was that good? And I think it comes down to something you mentioned, Mark, where the first film and even just the, the films in general, they have Will Smith bring up, providing a, a kind of a manic energy that, yes, I think absolutely adds to the value of what these movies are capable of, especially in the face of Tommy Lee Jones's character, because it's such a great kind of separation between the two. It makes a great dynamic. I don't think the dynamic's bad between Hemsworth and Thompson, but I do think what the movie's missing is a manic level of direction to match the attitudes of the characters. Where I think Will Smith, beyond just being his charismatic self matched against Tommy Lee Jones, is also terrific. I think Barry Sonnenfeld, I think he does a great job of really bringing you into that world. I, I think there's just the way he moves his camera around, the way he handles the aliens, how he, how there's so much like disregard for the fantastical. I think that's a great way to handle this kind of thing, where it's such a the way these Men in Black agents look at aliens is just Thursday, like it doesn't mean anything to us. It. Just like it's another day of the week for him. It's just they're doing this stuff. I don't feel like F. Gary Gray brings that kind of energy, and I'm not suggesting that he needed to copy Barry Sonnenfeld's style. I just feel like something's lacking in his version of these this franchise where you have all the ingredients here i agree with you marcus like everything that needs to be in a movie like this to keep it going and to keep it fresh is here you have new cast members that work you you have new locations which i think is a cool idea like what else is going on in a world where there's aliens that exist that's a great idea move it to international territory that makes sense to me but somehow it just it doesn't all jive together in a way where i was like more excited to see this stuff it just felt more run-of-the-mill it felt very generic so it's in the moment i was fine because yeah there's hemsworth and thompson are having fun together uh nanjiani is a great smart ass in this as this little tiny alien i like a lot of the alien designs even if it's not as practical as i'm used to seeing with men in black but i do i think there's a number that really work for me there's one where it's a, a guy with a beard and the beard is also mm. an alien and i thought yeah. that's great i love that's that. the best that's, that's really fun um, but there's an over-reliance on action sequences that I didn't really enjoy just because this series has never really been about action sequences and they just keep coming and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're fighting. Great. But it's not, it was never like, yeah. it never felt all that inspired and it was never really that comedic as far as the things we're seeing. So it's just a lot See of stuff that added up to being generic summer blockbuster movie as opposed to something that had more personality. See, I, I actually didn't feel like this movie could have gone the way of overly relying on CGI. And I know there's a lot of CGI in the movie but it didn't feel like it to me sometimes i i watch things and and there's so much stuff going on you know uh like fantastic beasts those films there's so much going on and they've it's just like ugh, it's just i don't like it but in this i felt like there was a fair amount of just talking like the parts where tessa and uh, uh chris are uh, interacting i mean and, and i will give it like the plot is sort of silly i mean the Tessa character, she's a little girl and she she knows that aliens exist and so she she's always dreamed dreamed of being a men in a quote unquote men in black. So she goes to Agent O, played by Emma Thompson, and underused in this movie. Yeah. And she asks her, I I know that you know aliens exist. I want to be one of the men in black. And uh, she's like, No, that doesn't. We don't. We, we you know we don't. We select. You know, it's like, well, select me. And and she basically becomes one of their people <laughs> without any trouble at all. Yeah. And it, it's, but, and so part of me is like, 
okay, that's stupid. But then it's so ridiculous that I kind of almost enjoyed like, yeah, we're just going to get past all that. We're, we, we need her to be a man. That stuff, I didn't, that stuff didn't bother me, honestly, the kind of right, setting up. Because like, I don't need another, I don't need a scene to kind of ape the training sequence from the first movie because that right, well, scene's a classic. Yeah. Like, I don't need what more I like, of though, that. is just, I like those those interactions. And, and I think there was a lot of them. I, I think this movie, I was expecting to see a lot of like CGI and, and I, I, I didn't think it relied on uh, action sequences in the way that I thought it would. And I and I like that about it. I, I mean, I, I wasn't complaining about CGI, I, I but I do think there are too many action sequences in this movie where I've seen the other films enough times to know that those aren't their strengths and they don't try to play them up as they are. There's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of Chris Hemsworth punches a guy or tries to do something in this movie or gets into car chase sequences and it's like, okay, none of that feels all that impressive to me. And talking about the scenes of, yes, there are a lot of scenes of people having conversations with each other. The issues I find, one, is that the people that they're talking with beyond each other are never really that interesting. Like, like I like Rafe Spall, but he's just kind of like guy that's supposed to be annoying, even though he's generally right all the time. Or Liam Neeson <laughs> plays Liam Neeson. Like, there's nothing to these people. And part of the problem there is that the plot is so bad as far as, like, having a mystery. Where And this is the first time you've really done that in one of these movies. Like, every, every other one gives you the villain, like, straight up and shows you why that person is a threat and why it needs to be handled. This movie's like, we're going to give you a very bland mystery that you already pretty much know yeah. one of these people is going to be the main villain because there's only five people in this movie. So it's like, what, there's, there's right. no so real, there's I, no tension there. And yeah, because, but because, because of that secrecy, you have to hide certain things about characters, which I think eliminates having better possibilities. Hemsworth, for example, much of the movie he has to be like a dick, like, and it's not really fun to watch for me, honestly, to be for him to kind of be this carefree guy that clearly has some kind of issue, but you can't quite put your finger on why. Although I guessed it pretty quickly because this movie's not that smart. But I mean, it just it, it it limited me of enjoying it more. I think. Yeah, I don't think this movie is about the mystery at all. I think it's just it's it's just sort of an excuse to have a series of vignettes, and I I don't want to underplay the importance of Kamal Nanjani when he shows up. <laughs> yeah. As this little character he's funny and and i and i guess you know you could say if if you don't even think he's funny then yes you should not see this movie no, I, I mean but, I, I i agree i do think he's a little i mean speaker. i'm just he's speaking funny. to the listeners uh, yeah i but, hear you yeah but, i understand but and I, and I don't want people to think that i thought that this was like some great film i mean i gave it a marginal you know thumbs up but i i just i guess i'm i'm trying to like promote it a little bit because the it's like it what is it at right now on rotten tomatoes 26 percent or 24 percent it's the average at, the average rating the average critic rating is like 4.8 so it's like a little below average essentially is like right right like, that's what right but it, but the majority of critics could not even find themselves to even give it a marginal path so that means that it's because i don't think it's, it's that, offering anything special like i i think it's doing I, its job of giving you these people in these roles and you're getting pretty much what you expected were, this doesn't feel like anything were either one of you bored at all during this i felt this... i felt the running time i'll say that okay. i never felt like oh my god this is still going but i did feel like the, and it is it is like at least 10 minutes longer than every other men in black movie like it, it does feel like it's straining especially because the plot is so lackluster it's so yeah. like I, I agree with you mark yes it's not about like how, how can we tell the best plot possible for an like, black movie? Who does, is the villain? Yeah, you know, but it, that, but it does feel like it's relying on really, you know, it's relying on a lot of things to keep the plot moving when the plot's just not that interesting. Hmm. Mark, Marcus, sorry. You, you, <laughs> you seem to be the, le the least of us on this. I film. found it boring. 
I found I found it I found it boring. I, I was trying. So I I think I was so disinterested in the duo and everything like that. I I I was really paying attention to this plot and it bored me. <laughs> so I I mean maybe that that maybe that was the problem. I just didn't. I wasn't really into the Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. I was like, why is Chris Chris Hemsworth being so dick ish and why is tessa thompson supposed to be like the ugly girl here or something because obviously what i don't understand what's their dynamic and so i well, no, no, just, no. what is she's she ugly, what is, she's she's bookish she's she's okay she's, she's smart but she's not she's not ugly i mean she's obviously so he's supposed to be the dumb the dumb dumb and he she's he's i think he's well, cocky. No, he's, he's he's more yeah he's cocky that's the yeah, exactly. these are stock characters and i'm it, yeah so I, are, they yeah. just yeah but i think i think these people are charismatic the actors enough right. that they 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 captivated me that I, I was interested in it. I, I just was going to say earlier, uh, you mentioned that question at the beginning of the podcast about movies that have been recast, and I mentioned James Bond. I kind of think of this as like a James Bond. I mean, we're no longer seeing Sean Connery. Now we're seeing Roger Moore, and it's a different kind of James Bond, and they're not the same. But I, I was okay with it, and I, I don't hold the original Men in Black as like some great film. I think it's fine. I enjoyed it, and I think this was fine. I like the original Men in Black more, but I think that this was a, another version, and, and I was okay with it. I don't – I mean, I'm talking a lot. Jose, where I, are you with this pairing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think – I think you guys have hit on a lot of things, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think Marcus, if if that dynamic doesn't work for you, then there's nothing else, really. Right. right? Like I think said, yeah. like the plot. Right. The plot has not much going on. It's a very simple mystery that I, I think is telegraphed really, really early. Right. The, the opening and, scene like shows you like, oh, something yes. happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, and, and I think the issue with the dynamic is like you said, Mark. They're stock characters, but. It's like, which stock character are they? Because she's supposed to be like the new person, but she's sort of supposed to be presented as like hyper competent at the beginning, right? They're like, oh, you passed all the tests, like the intelligence tests, the physical tests, like right. they let her into all the, the FBI, the CIA, whatever, everything, right? She's qualified for everything. But then there's like a weird scene where like she, she gets called out by Chris Hemsworth for not having this knowledge, and he's supposed to be the best agent, but because of this like weird thing that they've chosen to keep secret, he's now like incompetent too. And so the dynamic is just like really weird. And and I'm not really sure like who's playing what part other than they're both just like, I'd like them as people, like not even necessarily these, as these characters. Because yeah, it doesn't give um, like a, like if it was actually, just trying to be like a buddy comedy, it doesn't even get into the like, at first they hate each other and then they kind of grow to right. like yeah. each other. It just kind of like throws them together and just says like, well, you liked him in Thor, so here. Like that's really what it's doing. All right. Yeah. Actually, and, and there's even like a weird, like, is there supposed to be a, like a love interest thing going on between them? Because like there's sort of so. it, but there sort of isn't. It's just a very strange dynamic, and I think it's hard to pin down. And so, if you're if you don't get invested in that, there's not much. I think. I mean, else. it's it's they're flirtatious, but right, there is no. They never do anything to actually act on those flirtations. That's all I, it is. I guess, Fair. Mark, you're in a better position as far as if you're not like super enamored by the first Men in Black, and I. I guess I can ask this with you guys if you guys are. I would say, yes, obviously I prefer that movie, but I also, I'm a guy that thinks three is as good as the first one, so it's like, I don't, I don't I, know what to think I thought anymore. the third one was really good. Yeah, yeah. me too. Mm. I thought, okay. I thought it, it had both 
it had both the things that I like in a Men in Black movie, but also had like an extra added added uh, emotional touch. So good. And yeah, that. Josh Brolin's casting was ingenious. Like it had a lot of things. It it surprised me. I remember this. I remember us talking about this where I was surprised how much I not only was like, oh good, another one of these, and it's actually fun instead of two. But it was like, oh, this is really good. Like, it has this weird emotional connection where it's like, oh, we're delving into this Will Smith backstory thing that I did not expect and like was really affecting. It, it had those things. Again, I don't need this movie to be like, you know, it has to it has to be perfect. It has to match the greatness of the first man in black, which I think is, yes, it's very enjoyable. And I do think it's it's like a good, like, it's a perfect example of a summer blockbuster done perfectly well like as far as giving you new characters something exciting this movie just feels like there's nothing special about it i mean there's there's these people here they're like i don't mind the casting at all like they're fine but yeah i do think the writing around them suffers and as a result it just doesn't add up to much because it just feels like generic story generic plotting we get some jokes we get out we had maybe a good time i can't say every film needs to measure up to being some kind of memorable experience that defined my summer but at the same time just nothing here stuck with me as far as being anything I needed to be like, oh my god, you guys got to go see Men in Black International right now. It just felt like, <laughs> okay, that was a movie. Kumal Nanjiani, you got to must see him. It's a, yeah. That's a good design. And that beard. He's the it. best. He's but... the best part of the movie. Clearly. I mean, yes. You I know mean, what? Yes, here's... Very good. In his interactions with Hemsworth and Thompson, like they're really good. Like yeah, that, all, that stuff works. This is you how... I think he doesn't already... even show up until an hour into the movie. Right, right, he's not a big part. But one of the things that, like, really, I have to say that sold. Like, I can tell that I, he has already already won me over. Is he says these hackneyed phrases that shouldn't <laughs> be funny? Like, they see a, a cool car. He goes, "That's what I'm talking about." And <laughs> normally, I would be like, "Oh my god, that's so stupid." But I was laughing at that, and I was almost like, "Why am I laughing at that?" And it's like it's because he is just delivering the lines yeah, with deliver. all the pizzazz that he can and it was funny to me maybe it's just the, the animation of his little face too and his little expression it's a great design like yeah. I, there's like something re re regardless of regardless of if there's practical or cg effects it, it, these are amblin productions and i do always think that there is a nice spielbergian vibe to the various oh, right. alien designs like it, yeah. it is involved in yeah. some way it does feel like the the attention <laughs> is being paid to making some fun happen from the alien stuff it like it, very, whether it's yeah it's very like batteries not included or something you know uh -huh. it should, should be in that movie <laughs> which again it's like it leads to stuff like that beard alien which i think is fun like that's beard just, alien's <laughs> great. that was my favorite honestly that reminded me the most of the first one. And i think mark sometimes the stuff that you're talking about like the the really cheesy lines i, I I agree that they sell it, but sometimes I feel like I could feel them like having to act so hard to sell some of the some right, of right. the interactions I, I, or the I lines. Get that. The lines on paper are, are stupid, but somehow you know, actually, Jose, I want to ask you more about because I didn't know anything about these two guys that play uh, the, the twins shape shifting. Yeah, the twins. Um, I didn't realize that they really are dancers, and there is a scene in the movie where they dance. Was there CGI involved in that? Because it, I was looking at it like they doesn't even seem like There's, they were really dancing. But if they are dancers, why not I, let them dance? So that's one of the things that I was a little disappointed by is uh, there's a little bit of CGI used there to like speed them up. So especially in that club scene, you can see them doing these really interesting moves. I, I, everything that they do physically that I've seen them do on right. stage, um, and, and they can do all of that. And, and it, uh, they go by the moniker Les Twins, which is just the twins in French. Um, and you can find them on YouTube. They they won um, an American contest called World of Dance, like I think it was last year or the year before that. 
Um, they're really, really good, and I wish they had given them a little bit more time, or just like you could, you could just prop the camera up in one place and not move it, and they so would be really interesting. I, to watch. I look forward to seeing them in Step Up International. <laughs> <laughs> International, exactly. Oh gosh, copyright that quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's that's you know, another part of the thing. I, I enjoy them, I, but there's they're not as charismatic as either who was Jemaine Clement in three. Or Vincent D'Onofrio in two, and or in one, and what's her name, Laura Flynn Boyle in two. <laughs> you had a, you have a series of villains that are all you know doing their job, and specifically um, Vincent D'Onofrio, who's like right. completely <laughs> method doing his Edgar Bug character. But so now knowing that they really are dancers, I do wish that they had allowed them to just dance, film it from a wide angle and let them dance. I mean, the, that, that, you know, people are talented. We don't need to speed them up and, and do that. So that's, I mean, it's a small thing, but like, I didn't know who they were. And if, if I was fans of them, I think I would say, let them, they're talented. We don't need to speed them up and do these. I, I, I will, to speak to them. I will say that they had a presence that I enjoyed as they were on screen. Like I did like, given that that was the most, right. They look like they could be like in the fifth element or something. They were for like, sure, and yeah. just like the because the mystery didn't tilt towards whatever their deal was. I was the most intrigued by what their deal was supposed to be because I didn't. I couldn't just well, predict they, that right away. They like it's could more... have given them some lines. Did they even talk? I don't even remember. Yeah, they, but... they might have had like something in this, like you know, one or two words. They're, yeah. But they're more like Darth Ball in this than anything else. So it doesn't really matter what they had to say. That's a good uh, comparison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anything else on Men in Black International? Like, we, I mean, where's I, the I'll song? Say, what? Where's the song? You gotta have. How do you have a Men in Black movie? There's not like the signature song. Yeah, there wasn't even an ending song. It was just score, yeah. right? Like, it wasn't even. Yeah, exactly. There was no. I mean, Pitbull came in for three, which disappointed me because there was no Will Smith song. But at least there was a song in that movie. Like this, <laughs> it's got nothing going for it. I will say this: I did. I appreciated the lack of like nostalgic callbacks. Like it don't like only like the worm guys came in and like some men in black stuff that you like the the joke about which celebrities are actually oh, yeah. Yeah. like that stuff is fun. Oh, like right. even like Frank the Pug only has like a, a tiny cameo. It could have, you know, been heavy like, oh, there's Tony Shalhoub is Jack Jeeves again, like all this <laughs> stuff. But it's like, no, it just kind of did. It's it tried to do its own thing. I can right. appreciate that to an extent because sure, like it's been a while since the last men in black film and it could have easily been like nostalgia grab. But instead it does try to give you men in black international it tries to give you what it looks like to see the world outside of new york city and what else is going on there i would have liked to see agent h and m encounter john wick at some point since they go to marrakesh and john wick's in morocco so it's like you know maybe that could happen but can't get everything i guess even though keanu reeves is everywhere couldn't get that one i guess wearing a suit too whatever he could he could be a men in black that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying for the next movie keanu reeves oh he's an alien 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. <Yeah. laughs> any other uh any other thoughts no all right uh well then when should people go and see men in black international let's start with mark um i mean uh, what what is below the theater dollar theater <laughs> yeah i would say a dollar theater i i think it's enjoyable and it will be nice in a in a big screen so yeah i mean i i enjoyed it all right jose yeah, wait for the hottest day of the summer, go to the Dollar Theater, get some AC, have a decent, you know, couple hours at the movies. Marcus? Uh, don't don't see it. I don't. Why why put yourself through this? Go. <laughs> it's, it's so inoffensive. Like I it's it's, it's, it's just boring. Like it's 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 right. boring. That's offensive to me. 
If I'm if I if you're gonna pay for it, it's boring. Don't. Well, my time is valuable. <laughs> what am I gonna say? I mean, I don't disagree with you. Like, I my main issue was that it just feels so inessential. Where I feel like there was. So, it's weird because I'm not I'm not even disappointed because I feel like well, you probably trailers... didn't you didn't expect it to be like something spectacular. No, yeah, exactly. But I like I like the people involved enough. Like I like Gary, I like F Gary gray. Like I like seeing yeah. him be successful. Like it, he got his um, star in the Hollywood walk of fame. And I'm like, this is the guy that came up directing music videos and did Friday. And now he's got like a billion dollar fate of the furious movie and a star in the right. walk of fame. So that's cool for him. Right. But he's it's like, yeah, success. Yeah. Yeah. But it's right. just like, all right, well he did his job, I guess. Like he's a, he's the kind of guy who does the job and gets in and out. No, I, I could have seen this movie worse. Uh, I, I think he, he, kept it in a way that I, I think I do see his talent in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's perfectly fine as far as its assemblage. It's just, there could I think more could have been done to make it stand out more. So from that logic, I'm just like, well, okay. The dollar theater streaming, whatever. Like, that's... <laughs> all right. Well, with all that out of the way, that was our review of Men in Black International. It's currently bombing in theaters now. Let's go into the next segment. By the time this instead. podcast comes out, it may not even be in the theater. Anymore. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. Let's get to uh, what time? It's time for games. <laughs> Play that. Extra touches on you. Add some extra, some extra oomph. Uh, I have a game for you guys this week. All right. It is called Yeah, Marcus. Get I'd rather see Men in Black International again. <laughs> Strap in for the games. <laughs> this one is called Aliens Among Us, and this is a game where I'm going to go through movies that feature aliens who are all in disguise, and I'm going to describe the various disguises of aliens, and you have to guess what movie I'm referring to. Oh, I'm okay. going to be terrible at this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just you wait. We'll see. I think this, this should be fun. But You've I'm never guessing. been on a podcast with me. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to read some alien dis- disguises, and you have to guess what movie I'm referring to. If you feel you know the answer, shout out your name, and then the answer. Cool? Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay, here's the first one. A farmer, a jewelry salesman, a dog, Sylvester Stallone, George Lucas. Hmm? These are all disguises aliens use. In one in one movie. In one movie. Huh. I felt like this was supposed to be the example one. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Come on, Mark. A nice farmer. A farmer. A jewelry salesman. A dog. Sylvester Stallone, and George Lucas. There's a popular movie involving celebrities that are secretly aliens that's related to a movie we just talked about. Mark? Mark? Oh. Men in Black? Men in Black is the correct answer. Okay. Yes. okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wow. We're, we're, yeah. This is a farmer. The guy, the guy <laughs> yep. with Orion's belt was a jewelry salesman, and there's Frank the Pug. Okay. okay. I I misunderstood this as this was all the same alien using no, all okay. of okay. Yes, they're all they're, they're mostly confused. they're various aliens. You know, I think what I misunderstood is it was so easy <laughs> <laughs> that I was overthinking it. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that was supposed We're to be ready. an easy one. So let's get let's get into the nitty gritty now. Oh gosh. Here's the next one. A surfer. An old lady, Ben Mendelsohn. Jose. Jose. This is Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel yeah. is the correct answer. On the board. There you go. Exactly. On the board. <laughs> Got to catch up, Marcus. Oh, yeah. 
Okay, come on. Let's go. go. I'm warming up. Okay, here's the next one. <laughs> a sled dog, a doctor, Wilford Brimley. Mark. Mark. Cocoon? Incorrect. Uh, Jose. Jose. Is this the thing? The thing is the um, correct answer. Yes. Here's the next one. A purse, Kim Basinger. A purse. Mark? Kim, yeah? My stepmother is an alien? That my stepmother is an alien is the correct answer. Wow. You guys are tied. Marcus, still not on the board. I'm waiting. <laughs> Here's I'm nice waiting for you guys to get five up, and then I'll start. A spa <laughs> owner, a psychiatrist, a health inspector, a homeless man, and his dog. A spa owner, a psychiatrist, a mud bath owner, to be more specific as far as the spa owner goes, a health inspector, a homeless man, and his dog. Uh, it's uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, these no. 1978 versions. Uh. <laughs> That's on me. <laughs> Here's the next one. <laughs> Ziggy Stardust. Mark, the Mark, man who fell to earth. The man who fell oh. to earth is the correct answer. There you go. Here's the next one. Don Amici and Wilfred oh. Brimley. Mark. Mark. Cocoon. Cocoon is the correct answer. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> I thought I was having fun by having two different William Brimley. Oh, Wilfred Brimley answers. tricky. <laughs> Here's the next one. Various news reporters. Most of the world, if you have the right sunglasses. Uh, uh, Marcus. Marcus. They live. They live is the correct answer. You're on the All board. Right. Here we go. Here's the next one. A van driver who looks a lot like Scarlett Johansson. Mark. Mark? Uh, under uh, under the skin. Under the skin is go. the correct answer. Here's the last one. An aspiring journalist from Kansas. Jose. Jose. Superman. Superman is the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is it Man of Steel or Superman? <laughs> <laughs> either, either way would have worked, but you got you got cool. what I was going for. All right, well, Jose, you put up a good effort, but it looks like Mark. Wait, hold on. Oh yeah, you're right. No, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Got I, think right. yeah. I got three. You got three, yes. But Marcus, yeah. you did put up a good effort. But Mark, yes, you are our winner this week on Alien Among Aliens Among Us. It's a good All job. right, well earned. <laughs> I am an alien, so that would help. Well, Unfair go. advantage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was games. Let's move on now. Let's get to out now. Feedback. 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 There we go. That was good. That's that's so that's, good. that's what a game winner puts into the episode. <laughs> yeah, I I bow down. I'm that's bowing what a, down to you right now. That's what a longtime listener can do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash podcast. I asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us all answers. We don't have any questions this week, but we got a ton of questions last week, so I don't blame you. It's okay. I'll forgive you. Uh, <laughs> Mark, Jose, Marcus, feel free to jump in with any answers you might have to these various questions, but here we go. What actor would be a good counter to your personality in a buddy cop situation? Yancey writes, I really get this sense that Tommy Lee Jones would despise me in real life, so him. <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell Hadid, friend of the show, writes Jesse Eisenberg. Justin has Kevin Hart, and Mike has <laughs> Sam Jackson. What actually would be a good person counter to your personality? I'm gonna go with Keanu Reeves because I think yeah. 
he's just diff- he's he's different than me but but it would be a good counterpoint nice <laughs> hey, i need like Kevin a heart. <laughs> i need like silent brooding um oh wow how i just had it ryan gosling there you go i need him in driver he says nothing and <laughs> oh so stoic gosling stoic ryan gosling that's where you're well, going which for? is yeah a lot of his movies all you have to do is say ryan gosling yeah it works <laughs> he's already stoic all right um next one we have here which actors are probably aliens of course, plenty of people like to have fun with this question. Maxwell writes, Michael Shannon. Callum has Tom Cruise and Nick Cage. <laughs> Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes, oh, Daniel Day-Lewis, certainly. Michael Lee, friend of the show, has Gary Oldman. Dennis has Nick Nolte. <laughs> Mike has Tom Cruise. Shelley has Keanu Reeves. Scott has Jeff Goldblum. Alan has Crispin Glover. That one might be correct. Justin has Jim Carrey. And Jordan has Dame Maggie Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Uh-huh. Okay. Gary Busey and John Malkovich. Correct. There you go. Oh, oh and Marlon Brando. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> That's from the past, but yeah. Uh, Kevin Hart. <laughs> <Okay>. Kevin Hart. <laughs> Ray Romano. Ah. Okay, I can see that. All right. <laughs> I'll throw in. I'll throw in Brad Garrett. But, <laughs> he's just. He's like. He's three little aliens trapped in one big body. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Who are some aliens you'd want to hang out with? Irene writes Goose, the cat from Captain Marvel. Justin has Mac from Mac and Me. Patricia has I, the Iron Giant. Mike has Jabba the Hutt. Alan fittingly has Pizza the Hutt, as well as Alf and Barf from Spaceballs, his own best friend. Michael has The Predator. Sarah has Groot. And Scott has Paul from the movie Paul. Hmm. Who are some aliens you want to hang out with? Who's that one from uh, Flight of the Navigator? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretty pretty surfer voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Alan already said it, but I'm going to say Barf from Baseball. <laughs> I like that answer. Yeah, you wouldn't want to hang out with John Candy. Right. I mean, exactly. That's, that's, that's only going to be fun. Jose, any aliens you want to hang out with? All the good ones are taken. Okay, all right. <laughs> Next question we have. Your preferred way of taking down zombies. This is in relation to the dead don't die. Steven has crossbow with Daryl Dixon watching my back. Patricia has double tap behind the left ear. No wait, that was my dad saying. Mike has Lucille. Jeffrey has tripping the next the person next to me. <laughs> That's cool. a good one. That's cool. Man, smart. He's going to survive. I'm going to throw a cricket bat in there. I just think that's useful. It's got weight. It's got you know, width to it. It also seems like it seems like it's easy to carry. Uh, I would say lopping off their head with a chainsaw. Lopping off with a chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> just just one swift I, I, cut. You cut out for me, Aaron, when the when the question was asked. What was the question? Because I just hear weapons now. <laughs> we're talking about fa- we're talking about favorite romantic comedy partners. No, um, your your preferred way your preferred way of taking down zombies. I love that uh, you put taking down zombies because you didn't say kill zombies because technically, I mean, can you kill a zombie when it's already dead? I don't know if that was intentional, but I, I try to phrase these questions very very. Carefully. It, it yeah. seems very thoughtful. So I didn't want to offend the zombie community, so I kept it as PC. Right, as right, because yeah. they're already dead, so you can't kill them. I like to do a little hip toss. Just 
You grab, you, you, grab, you grab them by their haunches and throw them? Is that what you're hip toss, yeah. German suplex? German suplex. <laughs> German See, that's suplex. that's a headshot, too. That's all I'm there saying. You, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, you yell John Cena when you're doing it. It's just really involved. <laughs> all right, last question here. Who are the most stylish movie detectives? Larice writes uh, Charlie's Angels. And then Christopher gave us a bunch of answers. He has Sherlock Holmes, V.I. Warshawski, Undercover Brother, Philip Marlowe, Gay Perry Van Shriek from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Alex Tardio from What's the Worst That Could Happen? There's a reference that nobody needs to make ever. <laughs> Harper, Vicki Anderson from The Thomas Crown Affair, The Saint, as in Simon Templar, and Duncan McLean. Stylish movie detectives. I mean, Honestly, I don't, I'm, I'm I don't know if he's stylish, but I, I like Humphrey Bogart and The Maltese Falcon. There you go. He's just iconic. I, I mean, he's kind of a rumpled detective, yeah. but I like that. What's the, the the guy from Double Indemnity that always says he has a hunch and he won't leave everybody alone? Is he a detective? No, Fred he's just... Murray? He, no, not Fred McMurray. He's, um, what's his the name? one that goes, I got Mar- a hunch. I... Marty, what's something, his name? Something deep down um, inside. Ernest, Ernest er- Borgnine? Oh, no, no, it's not oh, Ernest, Ernest Borgnine. It's, um, what's his name? For Key Largo, too. Um, Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, yes. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, he's not. I mean, he's just he's just uh, McMurray's like coworker at the insurance agency. <laughs> okay, yeah, there we go. He, yeah, he does have right. ideas. Yeah, yeah sure. Inspector Clouseau. Oh, there you go. Okay. There we go. <laughs> the most those, <laughs> those trench coats. Yeah. Very. That's what I'm saying. Trench coat, leather gloves. You know, I couldn't pull off that hat, but you know. I'll throw in. I'll throw in Jude Law's Watson from the Sherlock films. He just seems like he's dressed very nice. That's that's very true. All right. That's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Oh, thank you. Let's move on now. Let's get let's start wrapping things up here. Let's get to a little out now. Presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on 4K, Blu-ray, DVD, streaming, and all that. Uh, feel free to give a yay or nay to these as I go through them. First up is Us, which I give a huge yay to. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. It's just a good movie. Um, among the best films of 2019. Yeah. As I've said, the last Black so Man far. in San is my first my favorite movie of the year so far. Us is my second favorite movie of the year so far. It's just very good. Where's book smart in that? Come on. Yeah, that's that's in there too. I said among. Yeah. yeah among. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Let's see. <laughs> Wonder Park is out this week. That's the animated film about the amusement park. <laughs> oh. That didn't exactly set the box office on fire. <laughs> um under Does that the silver involve bears? What? Is that what I'm thinking of? There's a yeah, there's there's, there's animals and a bear is among the uh, animals. Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, that's right. This yeah. is coming back to me now. Okay. <laughs> Under the Silver Lake. This is the Andrew Garfield starring film from the director of It Follows that got kind of dumped onto streaming and never actually came out into theaters. Did anyone actually ever see this, Under the Silver Lake? I didn't even know it came out. It's all, yeah, it's only stream. It's stream now it's on Blu-ray also, but it's on streaming. Um, it's certainly uh, ambitious. I, it, I, it's from A24, right? Yeah, it's an A24 film. You know, I, I think I was anticipating this film and... and uh, Most like, were? Yeah, <laughs> and I still have yet to see it. It's... I can see why it got dumped onto stream for, for like various reasons involving just the nature of the movie, the idea of spending like what ten million dollars to advertise it when it's a weird two and a half hour movie where it's like, what is this? Like, I, I get that. Um, but Andrew Garfield's very good in it. I'll, I'll put that out there. But you know, it's streaming. So, um, Hotel Mumbai. Uh, I this was a this is a tough film to watch, but uh, it is worthwhile. Um, hmm. it's, a, it's based off uh, true events. Stars Dev Patel among others. The feel-good hit of 2009. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got a very green grass handle on how to deliver disturbing tension. 
Um, I I want to see it. It just I'm sort of like I don't know if I'm ready for it. But hmm. it I do I think it's a quality way to handle this kind of story. But yes, it is very intense. I'll just say say that. Um, the Beach Bum, the exact opposite of the Hotel Mumbai. <laughs> <laughs> no pass. Um, and let's see, we have Hale County this morning, this evening, which I was not, a big fan of. I was and not. Marcus was not a big fan. I was of. not. I didn't get it. I just didn't understand. Wh- which it. one? Hale County this morning, this evening. This was up for best documentary at the Oscars oh. this past year. I I dug I dug this movie. Like it's so it's very. I mean, you want to talk about vignettes? It's very much heavily focused on. Let's just jump around to different like areas of this town. But I really, yeah. I like the style of it. I was into it. Mm. It was a good mood piece. So. Mm. <laughs> uh, TV stuff. Killing Eve season two is out this week, and uh, great show. Popeye the Sailor, the 1940s volume two. So, if you what? Want. Yeah, Popeye volume the Sailor. Two. Yeah, volume two. Oh. Get all those Popeye the Sailor cartoons. Uh, Gotta finish volume one first. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Some specialty stuff. Uh, let's no see. Spoilers. From Scream Factor this week, we have the Universal Horror Collection Volume One. This has a number of old horror horror features featuring. Uh, I think it's a lot of Bela Lugosi and um, Karloff's collaborations in the set. Um, let's see. Thirst is out on Blu-ray for the first time. It's from the director of Old Boy. It's a vampire flick. It's a. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> um, let's see. Mississippi Burning has a Blu-ray release from Keenan really? this week. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, oh. Let's see. The Brinks Job. This is a fun movie. I saw this once. This is a, with Peter Falk and Peter Boyle. Um, it's from William Friedkin. It's a heist movie. It's a fun one. Oh yes. Yeah. William Friedkin, right? Yeah. It's such a weird outlier for Friedkin too, because it's like so lighthearted compared to like the rest of his movies. But um, yeah, but that's got a, a Blu-ray for the first time. And on Criterion we have La Humanite. I think I'm saying that right. Sure, there you go, Criterion fans. Um, actually, on note, I think I mentioned this last week, but Swing Time with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers came out on Criterion this past week. I got to review the Blu-ray for Why So Blue. It is a terrific Blu-ray. It's a fantastic film. It's a classic. It makes sense to have all the accolades it does, but it has a really great Blu-ray. I was, I was very happy to dig into that. And lastly, on 4K this week, The Scorpion King. It's on oh. 4K, guys. Yes, finally. I know. Finally. If you're wrapping up for Hobbs and Shaw, and you're like, what can I watch with The Rock that's kind of periody, but also weird? <laughs> the Scorpion King is right there for the taking, guys. It's going to be a rock I weekend. mean, you need those pecs in 4K in your life. What what else do you... Yeah, Michael Clark Duncan's that's right you there, mean. too. You know, R.A.P. He's hanging out with The Rock, the Scorpion King. <laughs> <laughs> remember what remember when the mummy returns came out and every trailer said and the rock as the scorpion king and you're like guys i cannot wait to see the mummy returns because the rock is in it as the scorpion king and then you saw the scorpion king in the mummy returns and you're like guys i need a spin-off starring the rock as the scorpion king <laughs> i remember that you remember remember that having that exact feeling when you when you saw the rock's face imparted on a cg scorpion monster and you're like guys we need to have more of this character <laughs> <laughs> You know what the crazy thing is? That movie has sequels. It has four sequels. <laughs> oh. Many of them star either Ron Perlman or um, Billy Zane. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. The exactly Scorpion King is a lucrative thought. franchise, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know what movie doesn't oh. have sequels? Many movies you think would have sequels or deserve them, but The Scorpion King. <laughs> four. Wow. I'm so I'm so enamored by this. I want to look up the various subtitles of the Scorpion King franchise right now. So I'm going to do that. Give me two Wasn't seconds. This, the second one has like uh, the MMA guy. Uh, it's like Randy Couture mm-hmm. as 
they were just like, we couldn't get The Rock. What's the closest thing to a professional wrestler? MMA's hot I now. got it here. I have them. There's Rise of a Warrior, Battle for <laughs> Redemption, Quest for Power, and oh, yes. Book, Book of Souls. Boom. <laughs> Book of Souls just came out last year. I didn't even yeah. realize they were so recent. Wow. Oh, that's wow. right. Can't, can't stop, won't stop. That's the Scorpion King's motto. <laughs> Oh, Remember man. when The Rock says that at the end of the movie? He's like, can't stop, won't stop. Then it goes cut, <laughs> smash cut to credits. It's, 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 a, it's a classic. Or, oh. Scorpion King Book of Souls had somebody named Zach McGowan as the Scorpion King. I assume he's a wrestler. I guess. <laughs> What's his wrestling I think name? That's, that's, that's a good bet. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, there are fans. I don't want to anger anybody listening to this podcast that's also a diehard Scorpion King fan. I just want to know. I just want you guys to know that I, I support the fact that the Scorpion King has been enduring this long. <laughs> Batista was never in one of these movies. But Batista's a serious it's, actor, Marcus. It's, he doesn't go. For it, this it's shit. sort of like it's kind of like the Police Academy of our day. Yeah. Where, where you realize, wait, there were that many? I didn't even know. <laughs> So that wraps up Scorpion Chat without now appearing today. Let's move on. Um, on streaming this week, uh, on Netflix, we have Murder Mystery. Uh, this is a new Adam Sandler film. I will say this, because I watched this movie. It's not the worst Netflix oh, Adam Sandler movie. You're <laughs> an Adam Sandler apologist, I think. Yeah, I'm not, because I really dislike most of his movies of recent years. I like his 90s stuff. And I like, you know, the serious dramas that everyone likes. And Punch Drunk Love is a favorite movie of mine. But these movies, oh boy, there's a nightmare. <laughs> the last one with him and Chris Rock, I got through five minutes and I turned it off. Like, it's just got awful. That Ridiculous Six movie, which is over two hours. Oh, dear <laughs> it's Lord. Over two it's over hours. Two. Yeah, one, it's over, yeah. It's one moment in The Ridiculous Six that is worth it, and it's where a guy just straight up turns into a tumbleweed, and that's <laughs> okay. that's the only thing out of those two hours or plus this, uh, that is worth it. How many more movie. movies does he have on this Netflix thing? I mean, they are apparently like among the most watched things on Netflix, according to Netflix, who doesn't release their numbers. So you know, you got to take your word oh, okay. for it. You know what? I will say this: I, within the last uh, couple of months, Adam Sandler was on Saturday Night Live hosting, mm-hmm. and it was funny. It was really good. So, uh, and well, I saw like that stand-up. His stand-up that is stand-up that stand-up really special, is, but good. that's also it's not a movie. Like it's him doing the thing he's good at doing. It's not him. Making but it's his, his it's friends. his material. Like yeah. this is this. All this, this is just crap, a, this, I don't know if it's even his material. It's just kind of like... Well, it comes from the some, Happy Madison machine, where it's like he and his buddies yeah. put a thing together. We're like, what What can we do? Well, we can go to Europe for a couple weeks and film it. Like, that's what it is. This one... I, but I, I was trying to compliment this movie to an extent at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie, it's not terrible. It's him and Jennifer Aniston and Luke Evans of Ma fame, among others. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Luke Evans. <laughs> He was Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. On. I no, I in general I like Luke Evans. I think he's a I think he's a good presence in most things. I think yeah, he, yeah. he was a good fast and furious. He's part villain. of the Furious family. Exactly. Yeah, there you he's go. He's part of the family. Um, but yeah, though this one I mean, the only the only problem with this movie, besides the fact that a lot of it's very lazy, as typical Sanders stuff is, is that like it's trying to be like what if Clue was a movie, except without like adapting Clue, but it's trying to like have like all these various like very heavily caricatured type people but the issue is game night did this so much better last year mark i know you love game night yeah, where I it's like well, like what's the point of this thing it just feels like a very half-assed version of was trying david to make... spade in this one 
No, it actually doesn't have many of the. I can't think of any Sandler regulars in this movie, mainly because they're in Europe. So there's no reason for like Alan Covert to like walk in or uh-huh. Rob Schneider to be like, "Hey, you can do it." Like it's none of that. Do it again, just... we <laughs> no, got that, this. Or but but I, but I do think that's part of the benefit. Like Terrence Stamp has a cameo in this movie for some reason, and like, uh-huh. and like I said, Luke Evans is in here among other people. Like it it tries to you know it has an international cast because it's set in Europe for the most part. So yeah, it doesn't have a reason for like what's his name kevin james to walk in um, so it's like and uh, but again i got through it compared to the as i said five minutes i got through of whatever the hell that chris rock am sound what, what about steve buscemi <laughs> no, he, was, no, he was is busy. he is an adam sandler regular guys, yeah yeah he is one of the regular but no he, he was busy making the jarmusch movie he didn't have time to go to europe so. it was between that or adam sandler yeah but anyway yeah that's up now uh jessica jones season three i've started this it's, I'm liking it more than season two so far, <laughs> as far as the last of the Marvel shows still on Netflix, even though they're already canceled. Um, should I finish season two, or should I just jump into this? I mean, Netflix has a handy, here's what happened on the previous season feature and all their, <laughs> all their shows. So. I like yeah. it. But I mean, it uh, you know, it's the story, and it adds to the stuff and everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And, and what did I write? I wrote this down. I forget why. I don't even think I remembered what the plot was. But there's something called Big Kill on Netflix this week, which has Jason Patrick's, Lou Diamond Phillips, Danny Trejo, and Michael Paré. And I was like, well, that's an intriguing set of people in one movie. Mm. Looks like a Western? Yeah, yeah, that's yes, right. It was a Western, yeah. Because what Western huh. doesn't have Jason Patrick and like Lou Diamond? Well, Lou Diamond Phillips of Young yeah, Guns, same. So, I mean, it's just getting him back in yeah. the zone, really. That's what we're saying. But yeah, that's all there. On, Pri- <laughs> on Prime this week, <laughs> this is such a long tangent. <laughs> <laughs> on prime this week you have absentia season two other fans of that show out there and nicholas winding reffin apparently filmed 10 episodes of something called too old to die or too old to die young which has like miles teller among other people and they're all like an hour and a half so i basically made like 10 movies and put them onto prime this week what is that about i have no idea but i just saw it wasn't even like it's a movie main... No, it's it's a it's a series. A series it's ten okay. episodes long, but they're all like at least they're like the the first episode's like ninety minutes, and they're all around like an hour and change to ninety minutes long. So it's like, oh okay, this move, just came out. Time to do all this, yeah. It just it's hitting Prime this week, so it's like if you're a Winding Reffin fan, which I know some of you guys are, yeah. Um, he's huh. got he's got ten movies apparently that are all part of a series on on Prime hmm. right now. How do these streaming services do these things where they put like? marquee directors or whatnot make it have like these giant series and have like no advertisement like i don't understand how this works i don't know i don't know how money works guys i need i need to understand this <laughs> anyway well, i mean i think we all like drive so yeah yeah and like i i think Reffin's style is certainly unique to himself and i'm actually a big fan of the neon demon but that's Man. another that's another conversation that was more divisive <laughs> but i like i there's a his style is certainly evident there but then marcus weren't you a fan of the, what the boxing or what is it the, the oh god uh, what is the, it the gosling goes to what is it goes to thailand yeah oh my god, god forgives. yeah i like i did i did enjoy that even though it was it was kind of nonsense but i did enjoy it has a great score it does have a great score <laughs> like, i have this i have the soundtrack i'll never think about the movie again but the soundtrack's really good. some solid stoic gosling <laughs> yeah that's the epitome of stoic gosling <laughs> Anyway, see, see, imagine that, and then me in a car driving around LA solving crimes. That's great. <laughs> Cordova and Gosling in <laughs> Quiet Man, Big Man coming to. <laughs> I like it. All right, that's what's coming out this week. Let's move on now. Let's get to next week's show. Next week, we're talking Toy Story Four. 
the fourth chapter in the Toy Story franchise. I, I'd like to think everyone's pretty excited for this, even if they're questioning why they need to do a Toy Story 4. We'll find out if there's a reason next week. Uh, but yeah, that's next week's show. Last thing we do here, what do you plan to... What, nah, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Marcus, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, the Last Black Man in, in San Francisco, if, if, if possible. If not, then Booksmart, I'm pretty sure, is still out there in one showing or something like that. It's fantastic. What do you see next? Uh, Toy Story. All right. Toy Story. Jose Cordova, what should people go and see at the theaters right now? Yeah, I'm going to second Booksmart. I had a really, really good time watching that. I might go see it again if I, if I can find time. Um, and what am I going to see next? Uh, definitely Toy Story, and I'm going to try and catch Last Black Man in San Francisco before it leaves the theaters. Cool. Mark Hoban. I mean, I would reiterate everything you you guys said. Uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco, see that, Booksmart, and then I'll add Ma if you're looking for like a horror <laughs> film. <laughs> Wait, see you next. Oh, and then next is Toy Story 4. Um, if you want to go big, John Wick and Godzilla, they're out there. If you want to go a little smaller, The Dead Don't Die, that's out there. If you want to go really small, The Last Man, Black Man on San Francisco. It's fantastic, like you guys have said. It's it's great. Uh, what I'm seeing next, I'm seeing The Farewell this week, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing Midsummer this week, which I'm also Ooh, very excited about. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. All my written movie reviews are over there. You can also find everything I do um, at we Live Entertainment and whysoblue.com. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Do the same order. Marcus, where can people find more of you? Uh, movies Marcus, Twitter, Instagram, just Movies Marcus. All right. <laughs> Jose, up. where can people find you? Um, I'm occasionally at theyoungfolks.com. Uh, best place to just follow me on Twitter at Jose Cordova. That's my name. Mark Oben. Uh, you can find my reviews on my website, fastfilmreviews.com. And then you can follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. Well, great. You can find all the other episodes about now through your name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us, get your contest entries in, favorite Godzilla villain, at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and Twitter twitter.com slash underscore podcast and of course there's our excuse me there's our instagram page out now underscore podcast as well and of course send in you plenty of scary clown gifts in anticipation of it chapter two over at out now podcast.tumblr.com make sure abe gets to see all these scary clown gifts with all that said thank you mark marcus and jose for joining us this week thank you thank oh, you thanks. for having me that was a good time for sure glad to have you guys all here uh, Jose, will of course see you back with Hobbs and Shaw coming in August, obviously, because it's the Rock movie. We have you on for the Rock movies. I'm um, expecting your call. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But good to have you guys on as always. And of course, we're all dead in heat on the summer gamble, of course, too. So we'll see where all that takes us. But yeah, until then, until next time when we see how these toys come back in town, that's going to do it. So until then, so long and goodbye. The good guys dress in black, remember that Just in case we have a face-to-face and make contact The title held by me, M.I.B. Means what you think you saw, you did not see So don't blink, B. what was dead is now gone Black suit with the black Ray-Bans on Walk in shadow, move in silence Guard against extraterrestrial violence But yo, we ain't on no government list We straight don't exist, no names and no fingerprints Saw something strange, watch your back Cause you never quite know where the M.I.B.s is at Uh, and... So the dark is a 
night on the horizon, bright light into sight tight. Camera zoom on the impending doom, but then like boom, black suits fill the room up with the quickness. Talk with the witnesses, hypnotizer, normalizer, vivid memories turn to fantasies. Ain't no MIBs, can I please? Do what we say, that's the way we kick it. Yeah, you know I mean, a super noisy cricket get wicked on you with your first, last, and only line of defense against the worst scum of the universe. So don't fear us, cheer us if you ever get near us. Don't jeer us with fearless semi-fees freezing up all the flag. What that stand for? Men in black, uh, and You know, I think what I misunderstood is it was so easy <laughs> that I was overthinking it. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that was supposed We're to be ready. an easy one. So let's get let's get into the nitty gritty now. <laughs>